I think it's important for us to recognize when we want to be in the cocooning phase and when we want to be out and more be external and yes. then play into that strengths. Because if your dominant energy right now is around, I want to be out there. I want to connect with people. I want to facilitate these conversations, do that. So I feel like that's an important thing. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone. A certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. There goes the ball. There we are. We're live and on the decision table. So I am so excited to have you here. I haven't seen you for a little while. I think when was the last time I actually caught up with you face to face? I think it was in LA when you guys came to drop by an event. We had a dinner dinner together after ah, Michael Griffith's yes. event. Yeah. <laughs> it was like That's maybe three right. years ago, three or four, something oh my like gosh. that. Yeah. So we've got a, we've got a little bit of time to catch up on to see Absolutely. where we're at and what's happening. So you know what? I love having these conversations. I've been having them every day, just consistently since January the first. And I really felt that if there was to be any change to happen, that one of the ways that we can see change happening is by having new conversations. And the new conversations really is just to have a look through different lenses, have different people on every day and have a conversation and look through the bigger lens of what I call the need for a new approach to leadership. I think there's so much happening across the world and you're in a country where there is lots happening right now. And, you know, there's there's challenges, there's frustrations, there's all sorts of things that we're all dealing with and change being one of them. And I think for us to see anything change, in other words, shift forward from problems or whatever we're facing, challenges, you know, frustrations, that for us to be able to see that and change, that there is a need for us to have new conversations. Mm-hmm. to see it through new eyes, to see, get different people at the table and, you know, see it's really create awareness around what even's happening. So yeah. I'm looking forward to sort of finding out what's happening in your world to see where you're at and what that looks like, I guess. I know there's been some changes for you. So what what's that been for you? So there has been changes for sure. One is, yeah. well, of course, travel that's impacting everybody. Uh, before 2019 was when I moved here two years ago from California to Florida. So I feel that travel has been a lot less since then. And obviously in 2020, Mm. before that, I used to travel every few weeks. I would speak at conferences, go to masterminds, all these different things. My cats were not happy about it. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it. (laughs) It was a good life traveling, right? Like there was something, I don't know, unless you, so I so relate to that piece because unless you were a traveler, Unless, like I was known as the nomadic CEO, right? Mm -hmm. I love to travel. I love the learnings. What do you miss about that first? What do you miss about that the most? Catching up with friends. I honestly don't really like, I I love speaking at events, but I don't like the conference environment. I'm a huge introvert. So for me, it always feels like a journey. I'm here, sister. I relate. (laughs) Like two or three days of hundreds, potentially thousands of people around you. It's too much. So like a lot of the time I I spend in my hotel room, to be honest, like, (laughs) you know, I just need a break. So I don't miss that part, but I do miss connecting with people because really nothing can replace the face-to-face connections. So that's something that now everybody, I mean, outside of our industry, right, the, Mm. the world at large is waking up to Ooh, you can work from home. You can do business on Zoom. <laughs> like, oh, really? Yeah, like we've been doing that for years. But, you know, it's been more of that for sure. And it's interesting because I've been making efforts over the last few weeks to really mm-hmm. reach out to people who I haven't talked to in a while. Because if you're used to catching up with people at events all the time, like you're going to see them at least two or three, four times a year, right? But yes. when all the conferences are canceled, unless we are being proactive, 
those their relationships just can fall by the wayside you know yeah. and of course if, if it was good rapport that you had with people then you can pick it up like nothing happened and exactly. if it was kind of like a, well we had a good conversation but it never really went anywhere at that time it's harder to pick it up online so I found that it's really important to be proactive about that and maintain those relationships so I've been working on that for sure yeah, and I think just on that one, that connection, like you said, is just so important. And, you know, isolation has meant that people are feeling more isolated. So in some ways, there's even more of a willingness to connect, just, yeah. you know, to connect at first, and then who knows where that goes, right? Mm-hmm. But how have you sort of, you you were traveling, you were on the road, you were at events. That's a huge way to bring people into your world and awareness into your world. How did you sort of shift from that to the online space? So it's funny because the conferences and going into events mm. was always more the connection part of the business for me, developing right. relationships, seeing, like, as an example, seeing podcasters from face to face, because my work mm. with publicity, you know, getting my clients on different media outlets, including podcasts. So going to a co- podcaster conference and seeing those guys in person, as opposed yeah. to just writing an email pitch is, is a very different experience. So for that, it was good. But as far as getting clients, they've always been through referrals through word of mouth through these introductions on Facebook and email so that part has not actually changed that's something that beautiful is the same as it was before yeah but you're not getting to those events so you're not traveling you moved to Florida how did that change life it's very quiet here. So imagine <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a golf course. There is a lot of animals wow. around, a lot of nature. You know, I literally see bunnies and squirrels every day and uh, the birds. And cr- so it's it's really nice from that perspective. I like that there isn't that hustle and bustle because I used to live in LA before I moved out to the Palm Springs mm. area. And so LA has that energy. Even if you work from home, it's still it impacts you and like going to see a friend might take 40 minutes of a drive and being stuck in traffic. So all of that is completely out of my life now. So that's, that's been really nice. And I do have friends here who live like a few minutes Mm. away. So I'm able to see those guys quite often. So that's been really, really nice. It doesn't make the introvert more introvert. It might make me more of a recluse. Because that's the problem. I think sometimes that, uh, you know, I'm guilty of this, like our world has gone on online. That Mm -hmm. means I don't really meet with people so much. And actually, when I have that opportunity, I go, you know what, I'm okay not to be meeting with people right now. (laughs) Because I feel like I've been meeting with people all the time online. And, And so it kind of almost puts that, I think as an introvert, that makes you even more introverted. You know, and and so you've just got to watch out for that because otherwise it becomes very easy it, to kind of stay in your that. own little world. Yeah, the, the only thing that I think that is a warning sign is what kind of clothes you wear at home. Not that we have to dress like super fancy or anything, but if it's too comfortable, the weight starts to... <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yes. I literally noticed that even before this whole thing happened with the craziness of last year, that I used to wear the little sweatpants because like nobody can see it. Yes. Comfortable. And then, oops, next time I travel, I need a size bigger jeans. <laughs> so now I'm a little bit oh. like, more aware of that. <laughs> but yeah, I wonder how many other people are having to do the same thing <laughs> you know what but otherwise like literally I was going to my mailbox the other day well, not the other day maybe like a few months ago and one of my neighbors yeah. just said hello and she's I haven't seen you she says I haven't seen you in months and I said yeah I've been just mostly at home and she's like oh I thought you were a recluse and they're like yeah and that <laughs> so, hilarious Yes. Hey, Janine Ghana says, good morning, amazing people. Hi. <laughs> good morning, Janine. She's here over in Sydney. She's actually up, up the road from me. So awesome, awesome woman. Um, how do you see what's, you know, your, do we go back to normal life? Are we, like, are you making differences that will change when borders are more open? Are you going to stay home more? Or I would, is this, I can't wait is this a new you? No, I, I can't wait to travel more. That's okay. that's definitely something that's been itching at me. I already have a master plan of exactly where I want to go. <laughs> so I'm just Hell. waiting for the, all the restrictions to lift. <laughs> you yeah. and me both. What, what's the first place you want to go to? Well, I would like to create 
So I'm from Hungary originally. Yeah. And last time I went, uh, it was 2019. I went for a month and then did a little bit of a tour. You know, I went to Austria and Holland and Slovakia, but mostly it was family. Mm. And so this time I would like to create a trip where I set a base somewhere in Europe, probably in Vienna, and then do a trip of the Middle East. So I would like to go to Jordan and Israel, possibly Palestine, definitely Oman wow. and Dubai. And then, you know, like to do it like May, June before it gets really, really hot there and then come back to Vienna for a while. And then towards the end of the summer, I would like to go to Kyrgyzstan and Uzbekistan. So that's been my, like I collected so many pictures. They're amazing, beautiful places. And it's just, I've been dying to go forever. I actually booked my ticket once before to Jordan and then I had to cancel because I had to change change their dates on their book launch. And so I wasn't able to go. But as soon as they will stop with the craziness of having to be tested all the time and vaccines and everything once they come hopefully once they come down and we can travel mm-hmm. freely again i would definitely like to make this trip and many yeah. more in the future <laughs> yeah you know one of the things that i saw through my travel and it was actually i began writing a book around it and that was isolation how funny mm-hmm. is that and what i was saying was that i felt that it was an epidemic that i was seeing amongst not just leadership but amongst humanity. And, you know, I began writing a lot around uh, the devastation that what isolation was bringing into culture. Mm-hmm. And being interesting with the pandemic and then isolation became such a big issue in amongst all of that. What was something that you saw with your travels that maybe you get to see it because you're traveling in so many beautiful and interesting places? And what was the question? What what, what was the biggest well, thing that I saw? Well, yeah, no, what was something you saw? Like for me, you know, something I saw and I began writing actually about was isolation. Mm-hmm. What was something you saw amongst, you, you know, I think some of the privilege that we have of being able to travel is that we get to see through different lenses. We get to see culture in a different way. We get to see what it's having an impact. Decisions, I always talk about decisions at the decision table, Mm -hmm. that what these decisions are having is not just impacting us in our own little space, but across Mm -hmm. the globe. Well, one thing that that always stood out to me is efficiency. And I found Mm -hmm. that a lot of people are either end of the spectrum, either they're in and out going to a city, let's say to speak at a conference, and then they're gone. And maybe they don't even stay for the whole event. They're just really trying to maximize their times with meetings or book in private meetings around that city, you know, for weeks or months in advance. And then there are other entrepreneurs who tend to travel, but make it also part of their life. So May, they might book a, a day or two extra before and after the event and make it comfortable and perhaps bring their family. So I like to do it in a way where it's convenient and comfortable. I don't like to be rushed. I certainly don't want to be in a situation where the stupid airline loses my luggage and I don't have my <laughs> shoes. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> like the backups and all of that. But I think the, the, the reason this always stood out to me is because I have a really good mm. friend, Madeline Miller, who we started a podcast with many years ago and she was my co-host and her health did not allow for that rushed and, and very fast paced kind of thing. So she told me about it that, you know, I will go there like two days before, make sure that I get over the jet lag, make sure that I mm-hmm. get set up comfortable. And I think that that's so important because if we're only going with that one particular objective in mind, and that's the only reason to travel, we are losing out on 99%. Oh, so I actually really, really appreciate that because, you know, I I used to, you know, my husband would always say to me, why do we have to arrive that many days beforehand? But that's exactly why it was so that I hate stress. I hate stress at the airport. I'll always leave earlier. I'd rather run a meeting at the airport than get the meeting done before I get to the airport, you know, and I'd rather know that the kids are settled, whatever it is, right? Like just what you say around that efficiency. How do you bring efficiency into your life, daily life? I'm very much about note-taking. I like to make sure that I have everything in to-do lists. And so I have this, I'll show you, I have my little notebook. It's like one of those bullet journals, but I don't use it in the bullet journal. It literally says daily stuff. And so (laughs) So I make it kind of like into a calendar, but not for appointments. So every page is just for it 
that particular day. And then I put in the things that are routine that have to be done every day. And that's mm-hmm. like this much, like the first quarter of the page. And after that, I'm limited to at the maximum, all I can fit in is what's what fits on that page. So that way I don't over overload myself. And also I know that, okay, I need to follow up with this person. I need to send this PDF to whoever, like things like that, mm-hmm. like small tasks, but make sure that they're all like spread out. Or if I know that I need to do something next week, I just put it in for that day next week and then my actual digital calendar my google calendar is for things like this like a phone call or a zoom call where it's an appointment based thing and the little tasks are here and so that way i can just flip back a couple of days prior and see did i forget something you know everything gets crossed off as it gets done but sometimes you're waiting for somebody to respond or whatever so you know i have my little method of like highlighting starring (laughs) like all those things and then things get done that way I'm, i'm kind of known as the posted chick like mm-hmm. as in posted note check and I use one idea one posted note and I have this system called the now soon and later so mm-hmm. now is what I look at it in the seven days that I'm in now the soon yeah. is when I look at that on a Sunday afternoon and I recheck the things that I put on it and then the later is when I look at 89 days I know most people do 90 days but I like being a day ahead of everyone else so nice, nice, nice. I do 89 <laughs> days but I love that because I get to swap them over and you know if I get what I call a brain fart, I go, oh, what was that? And I put it on a post-it note and I just quickly put them in those and then I can know that I'm not going to forget them and I'm going to deal with them at the right time. But all Mm -hmm. I have to worry about is what's in front of me and then, of course, I bring the seven days into what my day is and things like that. So I love things like that. I think in that way we can be more efficient. Is there any other sort of hacks that you've got to be efficient? Well, yes, we were talking about it before we went live. I like to put in my little alarm on my phone before meetings. (laughs) So I have a nice little ringtone that is not too harsh. And so like, let's say if it starts at three o'clock, then I'm going to have an alarm at 2.15, at 2.25 and at 2.30. So Mm. that way I get a 15 minute heads up. I can go and, you know, change or whatever if I need to Mm. do or, or finish up something quickly five minutes before and then at the time, because sometimes you can be sitting at your computer five minutes before waiting for the meeting and then you forget to click the Zoom thing. So, yeah, so it's nice to have it like right in the minute as well. Yeah, I love that. That's cool hacks. How, if we look at it through the lens of the the new approach to leadership, how in leadership can we be more efficient? What could that look like? I think especially now, it's very important to put yourself out online. So if mm-hmm. you've been relying, for example, on conferences and traveling and networking before, and now it's very limited, or at least the in-person part of it is limited, it's really important that you amplify your message and reach as many people as you can through content, both like how you would normally do it through posting yeah. on social media, advertising, but also doing interviews like this, getting on podcasts, getting on TV, doing webinars, whatever it may be to get in front of your perfect target audience and or partners, referral partners who can Mm. uh, connect you with the right kind of clients. Yeah, totally agree with that. Here's the thing though. I don't know about you, but I know there's a lot of people that go, I want to say more. I want to stand strong as a leader. I want to be doing, you know, being more in the face of social media and, and all the different platforms. Yet the world is actually bringing division in that way because it's saying, hey, don't say it like this. Don't be like that. If you do it this way, that can be wrong. How or what do you think are some ways that we can, you know, make sure that that doesn't stop us and we can continue to keep having a so voice? Here's the thing. I feel that there is a very strong case to be made for standing your ground and saying whatever you think and feel is true. And at the same time, we have to be aware of what are the real censorships on social media. So as an example, if you mentioned coronavirus like eight, 10 months ago, your video got deleted just because you said it, you know? Yeah, so, so true. They publicly admitted it. They were just taking down videos. The same thing goes for all of the other platforms. It's not just YouTube. So I think that those types of uh, more like where you're not going to compete with, you know, with the policies of these tech giants. In that sense, yes, we have to be careful of what we say. But otherwise, it's so important to have your differentiator and to express your point of view. And if somebody doesn't like it, well, they're not meant to be a around 
your kind of people. They're not. Yeah. And so that's okay. I wouldn't ever recommend to be controversial just to be controversial. But if you have a conviction around something, then say so. Oh, I love that. Controversial versus conviction. I think mm-hmm. that's a really, really important you know, distinction between the two words. I, I Look, controversial, how would you describe that? A controversial could be something where, let's let's say the vaccine, right? Um, Everybody has an opinion about the oh, vaccine. Oh, yeah, they sure do. <laughs> so just, just the fact that you bring it up is guaranteed to, to bring in a bunch of comments that is going to be attacking you as well mm-hmm. as people who are supporting you, right? Yeah. So that's like a mainstream topic. But then there is also controversial things inside your own industry. So as an Mm. example, if you're a copywriter, and you believe in direct response copy, right, every single thing has to bring a result, there has to be a call to action. Whereas there are other people who are more on the branding side, awareness, and make sure that you develop a relationship with your audience. Possibly, you have a very strong opinion one way or the other. I, for one, believe that you need both because in this day and age, mm-hmm. we're not in the direct response, old school kind of where, you know, with the yellow highlights and the blinking, yep. like it works, but it's like, it's not what people want, right? They want the beauty. They want to feel like they can trust that brand or that person that they're about to make a purchase with. And at the same time, it has to be practical. Like you have to have some kind of accountability of, you know, what are the results of those efforts? So mm-hmm. that's, that's just an example of how do you bring something that you have a, an opinion of yeah, that maybe yeah. is a selling point as well as your onboarding clients and talk about that. Mm, I love that. What about conviction? So conviction is standing your ground. Well, a lot of people like to use the word authentic, yeah, to, mm-hmm. to be someone who's aligned and whatever. Like all of those things are true. I just feel like they are a little bit overused and not everybody interprets them the same way anymore because yeah. they, they got an impression of it five years ago and that's how they feel sure. about it. Like conviction is like where you really know and feel and believe that this thing is true. And yes. it's not that you're completely, it's impossible that you could be wrong, but it would be hard to get you to the opposite opinion, right? Because you you have this, you're convinced yeah. of it, you know it in your core. And that could be because of your personal experience, maybe something that happened in your family, in your history, or you saw something firsthand, who knows what influenced it. It's just very strong. It's It's core to you. Yeah, let's keep going down on conviction. I think that's such a good and important distinction mm-hmm. because when we can stand with conviction, we get above the noise. And I think the the problem with the online now is everyone realizes we have to go online now. So mm-hmm. how do you stand out? How do you get above that noise with conviction? And I think that, you know, having, you know, even even these conversations you know, we have talked every single day about many different subjects from addiction as a, you know, that was an interesting conversation from racial tension from and and how that works and plays and then how that. So there's a lot of conversations that we are having on this table that in a lot of ways can make people feel uncomfortable. But Mm -hmm. I think that there is this need, and this is my conviction, that there is a need for us to have conversations, to have different people at the table. And that means that we might not agree with everything. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I think is so important, that we have these conversations, but yet, I don't know, it's not really the human thing to want to have an uncomfortable conversation. I feel like it's important to pick your battles, right? So if it's your own platform, as an example, your own Instagram page or YouTube channel Mm. or your newsletter or podcast, whatever, speak your mind. Yes, If it's a one-on-one conversation with someone and you know that you're very much on the opposite side and it doesn't matter to the actual core of why you're in contact with that person, then maybe either avoid that subject or be fairly neutral about it because it's just not worth it. So as an example, I was talking with someone just yesterday on Facebook, we were messaging back and forth. And this guy is a really big podcaster, like millions of downloads. And occasionally mm-hmm. I have some clients as guests on his show. So that's really the the reason why we are in touch is, is because I like to have some of my clients on his show. And then somehow, of course, we talked about the virus. And, you know, yeah. you know and, and so the, I could feel like how he was talking was very 
very much with conviction, completely the opposite opinion of me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I could go into battle with him, but the only result, like when when somebody says that, oh, these crazy people who are like, whatever, you know, to to talk about it in that, like fairly judgmental to everyone who does not agree to his opinion for me to try to fight that or to try to get him to see my point of view when I know I'm not going to win there. And Mm. it's going to be probably where he's thinking now that I'm crazy too. I'm damaging my clients opportunities for the future. So for those kinds of things, you know, I just sent him a voice message and I said that, you know, what I found is that people tend to be in one camp or the other and you're not going to convince them either way and then just switch the subject. So I Mm. I found that it's really important to know that is it relevant, especially as leaders, we are talking about specific topics because we care about a cause, want to make an impact want to get more clients, want to get on more stages. And if you are convinced of something, but it's damaging, it alienates half your audience, what's the use, right? Yeah. So what's the use? Is it relevant? I think those are great Mm -hmm. filters to think about. Is it worth going down this because are we just going to butt heads? And I think one of the things that I talk about a lot and, you know, this year my theme is really to see humanity, to see humanity as stakeholders at the decision table is actually what it is all about. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is one of those moments that we often have to go back to, well, what is priority right now? Priority is that we add value to humanity and we don't take it away. And sometimes when we're butting heads, not going to come to the same decision in that way, like agree on that. Mm -hmm. That's where we're seeing, well, you're against me because of this and we're not going back to, well, actually, let's get back to how can we make and shift this forward to, you know, make ensure that humanity is having a seat at the table. And I think one of the ways in which you can do that is by, well, is this relevant? Is it mm-hmm. not? I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. You obviously have moments where you don't agree with people. And oh, all the time. <laughs> yeah, but I think this is an interesting conversation, yeah. right? That because we're not allowed to talk about some of these things sometimes, yet I think that all of us deal with that. We get those moments we go, I really don't dis I really disagree with that and I need you to hear me. Mm-hmm. How do we do those moments? How do you do that with others or yourself? Like what does that look like? So it comes back to your personality and your temperament. Some people live for the fight and they actually get energized by it. Yeah, right? Right. So if they mm-hmm. can get the last word in, if they can at least have the hope that one person will listen and see their point of view of all the bystanders, that's worth it for them. Mm. Right. It just reminds me, do you remember when the Me Too movement was really big on social media and everybody had so I don't usually get involved with topics that are like that. Just yes, not not because of a judgment, but I, I'm just trying to keep my social media interactions really to what's relevant to what I'm working on or yeah. personal relationships. But this was really personal to me as well, having gone through multiple things of where I've been harassed, and so. I saw somebody posting about it who is not even a close friend, but we are in some mm. Facebook group together and, and I know that he's kind of a big deal in, in his own niche and whatever. And he was talking about it so strongly as the women are making the whole thing up. You know, I, I had to comment on it because that's, that's just so not right. And that is something that's impacting all of us. It's yes. not like, you know, uh, ignoring what's happening everywhere literally all over the Mm -hmm. world every company in every workplace in every movie casting situation whatever and to say that women are making it up is just so wrong i cannot ignore it yes so sometimes it's it's, and 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 that goes back to what you said earlier that goes back to what you said earlier about conviction right yes there was a personal conviction for you and Mm -hmm. because of that you felt you needed to give that voice Exactly. And so with those types of things, it's, I think it's important still to be respectful the way you share your opinion and to, yeah. to share it in a way that doesn't come across as though you're completely emotional. Because mm-hmm. if it is, it's hard to take that person seriously unless you're already of the same opinion anyway. If somebody is completely on the other side of the table, they're not willing to consider your your point of view and all they see is that you're raging and crying and whatever, 
they're just going to block it completely. They, they can't process it. So it's mm. important to try to somehow bring empathy to the situation, ha- try to have a, a somewhat logical, somewhat cool-headed conversation. And if it doesn't go anywhere, then know where you're going to turn the notifications off for this particular person or unfollow them and, and just not know anything. And then, okay, I'm done with it. And if you're the kind of person who really gets worked up where possibly you have hypertension, you have headaches and migraines, and like, like if it's impacting you that badly, then I think it's better to stay off of it. Yeah. And I think that goes back to the conviction thing around yeah. well, what are your values? What are your beliefs? What are the thinkings that, what is okay for you? And I think yes. when you've got personal convictions, then you know what you are willing to stand for or not, and you know when to stand up or not, right? Like mm-hmm. I think there's that is something that's in your control. I, yes. And the thing that I think is not in our control is when you're in environments where sometimes there are systemic or conditionings that have kind of created a space for us. Mm-hmm. And so part of the need for a new approach to leadership in my opinion and my thinking is to curate safe spaces. So for me, this is a safe space. I I really do not care what anyone is saying on the decision table with as long as one of the things is what you just said, there is respect. So it doesn't mean that I'm going to agree with everything that is being said at the decision table, but I do want to create a platform where there is no judgment to what you are saying, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. And I think, you know, part of this need for a new approach is that we are curating more of these spaces where there is a safe space. I'm really curious, what do you think about where there's responsibility into this space? Ends because I'm I just can't help but thinking back when the whole well it didn't start but when it became really vocal on social media with the Black Lives Matter movement with George mm-hmm. Floyd and, and everything and there were a lot of people in the online coaching consultant mm-hmm. space white people and white women in, in particular who started to post about it perhaps because they became aware of it for the first time, perhaps because they felt it out of social obligation, which is kind of like, I don't think you should ever do it because you feel the pressure of that. But there were genuinely a handful of people who have millions of followers who are roasted, because not even roasted, I don't know what the right word is, but like really attacked because they did not speak to it. So if you have a Facebook group, as an example, I don't want to say names, but like there, there are a handful yeah. of people who yes. have big business groups that are purely about online business. And if they say that we don't want to talk about this, now have the communities against them that have dare to not talk about it. And and what is the responsibility of that person, that that leader there? That do I yeah. have to allow it, or do am I letting myself be pressured? Where where to go? Do we go with that? Fantastic question to ask, and I think many asked that at the time, or many needed to ask that but didn't ask it. So mm-hmm. I'm so I'm really I appreciate the fact that you asked that question because I think the the issue was something that you just said then was. I don't want to be doing it because I've been told to do it, right? Whereas there was a lot of that happening. And that was the thing that absolutely, I was like, there is, I'm the same. I totally have your back on that one because I'm like, I am not doing this because everyone is telling me to do this. I for always will have a voice because that is part of what I am called to do, part of my journey, part of my race, as in my lane that I'm, you know, going in on this journey forward. And I think that there was this time where if you didn't say it, like you said, that actually then you are obviously not for it, you're against it. And so then it was even worse. At that time, I held back. Many think I'm very decisive decisive, and I'm very vocal in the way that I will definitely have a voice for mm-hmm. humanity. That's part of my, yes. what I'm meant to be doing here in life. And yet at that point, that voice was never going to be heard. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, the best voice I could have was silence. Because mm-hmm. if I spoke up, it was going to be taken the wrong way. This is just what I found at the time. It would be taken the wrong way, that if I do it one way, you'll think I'm not, I'm against that other way. But really in cases like that, in situations like that, I'm gathering data. 
I'm asking questions. I'm finding out where do I really truly stand on this? Mm -hmm. And with the data that I have, am I going to be standing for this or do I stand up in this or do I just stand firm on keeping on going on the journey that I'm with? Yeah. Right. And I think that it's so easy to keep going wherever the crowd is taking us. And a true leader and a leader that will stand against it is not one that is rebelling. You know, one of my words, one of my pillars that hold up my vision is disruption. And I hated that word for a long time. And I realized why I hated that word, right? Because disruption, lots of people saw it as rebel that you're trying to go against everything. And no, what I was trying to do, what I am all about is looking at patterns and disrupting a pattern that is not adding value to where we need to go and the result that we want to bring at the decision table, right? Mm -hmm. When I could see it through my own eyes and realize, that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about disruption. That's what I'm talking about when I really stand firm about patterns that I think are absolutely devastation, destruction, absolutely causing division. And I will stand for that absolutely and give voice to the other options, right? Well, when I learned that for myself, I have no problem coming on here. I have no problem having conversations with whoever's coming on the decision table because I know what I stand for. I know what that looks like. And I really am curious to listen to other perspectives to see now that I know, now that I, because I always think when you don't know anything, then it's okay. But when you know something, there's a responsibility, there's an ownership. So now Mm -hmm. that I've heard through the lens of what you bring today, how's that going to add value to what I'm doing? Do I take that piece? Do I leave that piece? And I don't think we have done that well as a race of humanity because we're so used to being conditioned to have biases and a lot of the systems that we are in do not create the opportunity for us to have that voice. It's so true. And and it's funny because the whole thing with biases comes back to shortening the processing of information. It comes back to stereotypes, right? So understanding, oh, this is this kind of person because I just glanced at them, but I already have a sense of who they are. Obviously, getting to know someone for real mm-hmm. takes a lot more than that. But we even unconsciously somehow categorize people. And if we can at least be aware of that and be willing to give that person a chance beyond the first impression, that will make us actually a better observer and therefore a better leader as well. Because if we can recognize that, oh, I thought that this person was just like, crazy whatever but oh they actually talk about something really interesting or they're talking about something i never even heard before like as an example quantum physics like now it's more metaphysics everything like yes it's mainstream a little bit more and hay house has been talking about it for 30 40 years right so it's just like where do you allow yourself to get new information and not worry about your image or how you're going to look or really putting yourself in the shoes of a beginner and being open to asking questions when you don't understand something, even if it's a public setting. I think having that humility and other people seeing that in you, they will respect you for it. Yes, I totally agree with you. And that's that's one of the reasons these conversations and, and throughout the year, we're going to have more conversations in different ways that we will create opportunities for these conversations. Because this is the conversation that sometimes we have one-on-one and closed doors, but we're not having in the open forum. Yet many of us, I think every one of us are having to deal with this in some form, in some way, in whatever we're doing, right? Here's a comment and a message in the comments. Uh, Fear without judgment is one of my company and personal values. It's actually harder to practice than say for so many of us, because Mm -hmm. part of the process is truly understanding your own conscious bias and this impact on your thinking, views of others, emotions, etc. We have to learn to actually suspend our own judgment to enable us to listen and relearn. It's always us, not others. So much harder to be curious. 
Mm-hmm. And wait on, and encourage curiosity in others when it's about building perspective to slow others to see things from a different angle. Yeah. You know, a lot of it comes back or can be helped by travel, I feel. Well, mm. I'm saying this from a perspective of having lived in six other countries before I moved to the US. So like actually live, live, like spend a long time. I think that that makes you the kind of person who can't help but be curious, even if you were not that kind of person before, maybe, because you have to learn the new customs, possibly a new language, a new yes. local you know, ways of connecting with people. And I know that right now we can't do that or it's not as easy anyway to travel right now, but there are still ways to get immersed in other communities. There's an entire world of, you know, online libraries and museums and travel sites and YouTube videos that show you local customs in different places. Like those things are actually, it might be just considered entertainment, but it will broaden your worldview. And then as soon as we can, we will go and, and see it in real life. Yeah. So here's the thing. We've talked about awareness. I I think there's some fundamentals to leadership and, uh, you know, leadership awareness is one of them. Leadership ownership. We began talking about that. A leadership change we've definitely talked about. And then leadership sustainability. If you use the lens of which you were just speaking then, that you get this worldview, how can we bring solutions to the table that using what you've just learned from having a worldview? I think it's really important to have some kind of sense of knowing who you are, Mm. knowing what you stand for, what you are against, and really conviction, baby, conviction. (laughs) And and then have the curiosity, have the humility Mm. to to have that beginner's mind, and then maybe just on purpose do things that normally you never would do like as an example i i don't care for gambling like i've been so many times to vegas because there's always events there and conferences and then sometimes you know like people from the group want to go to the casino and we'll play Mm -hmm. but like for me it's just like not fun at all but then every single time when when there is a game to play i have to relearn the game because (laughs) i can't remember it's just not something it's just not something that entertains me natively but it's good to have the connection have the bonding time and then the same time i'm sure that i'll learn something that i would have never thought about before and even movies will make more sense later you know when when you see people cheating at the card games and all that so that's just a silly example but like really having the beginner's mind to learn i I give you a more current example like are you on clubhouse i am yes okay so i just finally joined yeah me too i'm the other one that's doing that (laughs) i so like i've been hearing about it for not that long a few weeks but i i just have no idea what it is and then one of somebody i know mentioned that you should really go because there is a lot of angel investors venture capitalists and going to those rooms see how people pitch and that's so interesting to me to see what the response is, because even as you're listening to somebody, a startup wanting to raise funds for their whatever venture, and then how the feedback is from the panelists, that's really getting into the mind of an investor who's already used to investing in a lot of tech startups, as an example. That brings me ideas of how do you ask questions, how people see you from the other side? Mm -hmm. How do you therefore modify your message so that it really lands and it can be concise and people will get you? And the other thing too, it's it's very magical, but you can feel the people's energy as they're listening. So somebody is pitching their thing and then you hear, you don't hear, but you know that they, the panelists are considering it. And before even they ask a question, you can feel the tone of how they're going to react to it. Mm-hmm. So that's more of an intangible way, but you're learning from that for sure as well. Yes. I have to say, I was I was pretty not wanting to get in there. And then I kept getting messages. You need to be in there. So I'm kind of in there, but I'm not really. And I every time I put it on, I haven't liked the conversations. I'm like, wow, this kind of feels like either telling, selling, or and then I keep hearing little moments where people will say things like what you are saying. And I go, okay, I want to be in that room and I want to hear that. Because mm-hmm. maybe that's really good. I but think I, the accident. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I, I was also going to say, I'm also extremely visual. And so mm-hmm. I read a lot, not just from what you're saying, what I, what I hear, but what I see as well. And so yeah. for me, because it's not a visual platform, 
you know, sometimes I just want to watch. I don't want to listen. I just want to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I am with you. Like when I saw the design of it, I'm like, was this done 20 years ago? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I, I shouldn't say I don't like it because I've only been on it for like three days or something. Yeah, like I can't really say much either because I've been on it a couple of times, a few times. You know? Yeah. So it's just funny because I feel like a lot of people are trying, like I've already seen posts of 10 ways mm. to monetize Clubhouse. Okay, every <laughs> so, you know, marketers ruin everything, <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk said, and, and he had a point to that, but we're not there yet. So as yeah. leaders, I feel like there is an opportunity, you know, to yes. carry a conversation. The only tricky thing I find still with it is if you don't have a ton of followers, which obviously if you're brand new to your platform, you're yeah. not going to, there is not going to be a lot of people in your rooms. So I was talking about it with a friend of mine today, and she said that well, you might want to consider doing a panel with a handful of other people. Yes. I'm talking like a clubhouse expert because then all of their followers will be pinged as well that this room is happening. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, have heard, I have heard that's a good way to do it. And yeah. anyway. but the other thing is, is that whole distraction thing. And actually, Jason just says, seems like an addictive platform. I'm glad I don't have an iPhone. I think there's <laughs> something to be said about that because there are definite people in my world who are now getting getting rid of the app because that became such an addiction. So for me, I also wonder around the sustainability of the app, the platform, Mm -hmm. right? Because I'm like, yes, I know during, I thought they were really smart. They released it at a very good time of the year where people are on vacation and Mm -hmm. that being those of influence as well, right? And so they could be on there. And I don't know that sustainability wise, whether, you know, they'll remain on there forever or, you know, like I think that it's, you can be on there for hours when you've got that time, but when you don't, it becomes a distraction. Sure, you may get some different relationships from it and then convert off it as many are wanting to do from it, but, and maybe if there's a topic, but I think Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that, again, you've got to do it in the balance that is really important for, you know, adding value to what you need and what is beneficial others in your world as well i turn up notifications for all apps including clubhouse like i don't get any notifications if i want to go in there i will see it but otherwise no so the only thing that comes through on my phone is just you know text messages and phone calls and whatsapp because that's only family and friends it's so funny because um my husband he he got rid of facebook on his phone because he's one of these ones that get massively addicted by whatever it is in front of him right in that way Mm -hmm like shiny object. Great. Like I'm all in there. I'm doing this. And I cracked up last night. I said, that's funny because I know we have this conversation that you're always on your phone. And so he goes, I'm going to get rid of Facebook. Okay, cool. That'll be good. That'd be great. Just on the phone. And then I go, but the funny thing is I've seen you on your phone a lot, you know, nonstop. And he goes, yeah, I'm either on Clubhouse or Instagram. (laughs) And I'm like, how does that work? So you get rid of one platform to be addicted to other ones? Like, well, yeah. that's, that's so, kind of, that's the truth. That truth though, like, like it sounds like maybe a little bit funny that I'm addicted to whatever social media platform, or, yeah. but it's an actual addiction. And that's something that, that I do have a gripe with, you know, because video game companies, all these tech platforms, they're literally working with engineers and with scientists to make the thing addictive. Yes. So that's, a big part of it is just like how it is in with the slot machines and gambling that you never know what you're going to get. You might win, you might not win. So it's always interesting. That's how these stupid algorithms are designed as well. So that sometimes you have a message, sometimes you have an interesting update. And so it keeps mm. you coming back. There is a book about it. Do you know that book, Hooked? I it's have not read Hooked. it. No, no. Nir Ayal wrote it, N-I-R, Nir Ayal. And it's all about the whole idea and psychology and the tech around how do you create a business that hooks people and i understand it from a perspective of wanting to have people keep coming back of course but then also like when when it's literally you're messing with people's dopamine levels there is there is the ethics question of that right Mm -hmm. so Speaking of leadership, where is your responsibility with as much as you want to make your platform as big as possible, you yeah. can't make it so that people are literally addicted to you, rely on you and can't make a decision without looking first. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, that brings up a beautiful thing uh, that I think there's a real ethical issue around that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of ethical issues around the way people lead and, and that's one of the 
things that I talk about is ethical leadership. You know, what does that look like and how can we do that better as part of the need for a new approach? And I think that, again, it comes down that we are in systems that have kind of almost like conditioned us to go, well, that's just the way to do it. So we're all doing it. So it must be okay. Mm -hmm. And I think what's not okay is families break down because people are obsessed with something and instead of the time with the family, the time spent on there. And I think that, you know, there's many different stories and and situations of where, you know, is this the fact that you are letting or you're listening be listening, uh, you know, that AI is now telling you what to listen to, what to hear, what to believe. Is that a healthy thing? I'm really careful with my algorithms that I am listening to combinations of things, even things that I might not want to listen to, but I listen to it on purpose. And what Mm -hmm. has been amazing is even during the whole of what's happening across the world, the things coming into my feed have been such mixed things and I'm so grateful for it. And if it starts going down away, I turn it off and I go somewhere else. And I try to, and, and I read and I listen to so much array of different thinking. And one of the things that I have seen, and again is why it impresses on me that I think that this need for a new approach and using conversations is we have to get back to having a conversation with a human. Mm-hmm. We have to actually listen what is actually happening in your world? What is going on around you? And this is why these conversations are so important because otherwise we are having everything conditioned and biases and things like that. Uh, Jason says 100%, Kerry Marie, we still need to be physically touched as human beings as well. So, yeah, there we go. There was no replacement for that. (laughs) There's not, right? But yet we look for that touch. We look for that feed. We look for that approval through Mm -hmm. 4 million likes. We look through, you know, I thought that was an interesting thing when Instagram, I think it was Instagram, didn't it? It took away, you know, how many, oh, look how many likes you had or whatever. And I thought that was an interesting concept. And I wondered, you know, when that happened, I wondered how I felt about that right mm-hmm. oh and then they brought it and back I know right? that, that was really popular my brain because you know I was like you know at that time I was actually on there and I, I I go in and out of platforms and and so I I get bored with it to be honest I don't have an addictive personality and so mm-hmm. you have to really connect me in there for me to want to stay there do you know what I mean so interesting though that's I'm sure you're the exception most people would not right they they just get sucked in and and too bad and the other thing is that most people don't even have the awareness that these platforms and foods and like all the different things are designed with literal physical addiction in mind And if you don't have that awareness, then there is no chance of you making a conscious choice. Yeah. And I think there's something that's come from our conversation today a lot is about conscious choices, about conviction, about what are some of the other things that have come out of this conversation? We talked about efficiency, a little bit of productivity, (laughs) physical, having a world lens, right? All those things. I always ask this question at the end because I think it's really important. Again, what we said, you know, awareness now, ownership. What are you taking from our conversation today that you're going to do differently or or, you know, take into your day or whatever it is? Like, what's that going to be? I really like the idea that you're doing here, these daily conversations with people from every Mm. different avenue. I I love that. And the other thing that that stood out to me is really questioning this idea of responsibility. Like, a lot of times Mm. I don't participate in groups or even with social media. I have not, I basically did not post anything for the last year and a half. And they just recently started posting a little bit more again. But I think it's important for us to recognize when we want to be in the cocooning phase and when Mm -hmm. we want to be out and and more be external and then play into that strengths. Because if your dominant energy right now is around, I want to be out there. I want to connect with people. I want to facilitate these conversations, do that. But if it becomes a chore at some point, then it's better to maybe call it an end for the season or for the series Mm -hmm. or whatever, and then draw back a little bit so I, I feel like that that's an important thing and at the same time still like like what you said earlier that that was really something that stood out too is 
becoming an in, or not becoming but like really extremely amplifying our introvertedness yes how healthy is that like you know I'm so happy not to leave the house for days on end, Me but too. I know that, but I know that like sometimes I actually probably should yeah and yeah. I think that's where awareness comes and then then it's like what what am I going to do with that? That's that conscious bit, that intentional bit, right? And I think that's that's something that I do. And the reason I bring that up is because I have to be aware that this is a weakness of mine. I can stay in my cocoon. Or is that actually going to add value to what I'm meant to be doing? Is that what I'm meant to do on a greater scale? Is that going to help bring the impact that I'm meant to be bringing for me? And the answer is usually no. <laughs> So I've got to come out of that cocoon and go, come on, you've got to stretch your wings because, you know, there for me, and I'm just talking on me personally on it, it's, it can become very much a selfish thing because it's easy for me to be home. It's easy for me to keep my gifts inside my genius zone inside and only share it with one or two people. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we've been all given a responsibility to stand strong in what that is that you bring your genius zone. So there's a responsibility for us to do that. And for me, I feel that responsibility and and hence why we're doing things like this. Hey, how how do people connect with you if they want to know more about what you do? You know, I have been really interested in in what you've said today and curious to know more about sure. what you do. Welcome to to email me. It's Esther at borntoinfluence.com, E-S-T-H-E-R at borntoinfluence.com, or also just reach out on Facebook. I'm really easy to get in touch with. I love that. I love that. Esther, what an amazing conversation today. And I'm really thankful that you reached out because you reached out to me again. And and I'm so thankful you did because today, you know, you've brought your, you've got a glow about you. I think uh, being in Florida is working for you. (laughs) I, I love honesty that you've brought today. I really do. I've seen a side of you that I just think is so beautiful and is willing to be curious. I think that's always the way. And and for me, a part of this new approach to leadership is that it's not a proven leadership. It's an evolving leadership. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, today you've brought an example of someone who is willing to keep evolving. So, you know, part of that is traveling more so that you learn different aspects of yourself, probably within those different cultures, as well as what those cultures bring to you. And then how do you use that and what you're doing? And I think, you know, I'm just really grateful that you've been willing to have a conversation and go down probably places in which you haven't done so much on public platforms, but I'm grateful for that. I'm sure many of our listeners today and those that will listen on the replay will will get so many golden nuggets and i think conviction has been the top of the list for me of what you know you were really strong about and i think what if we had leaders that were way more convicted about the vision that they were meant to be doing than than what was happening across the world you know so anyone who's loved this make sure you do share this because you know the one thing we've talked about a lot about is awareness and the only way we're going to have you know and create safe places like this where it is okay to talk about anything and everything and and it to be safe and not be judgmental is if people share this and get this word out that there is places like this around. So I'm I'm grateful for you. I'm going to end this broadcast because we have had an amazing day here. So thank you. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Karen Marie. <laughs> Wait on. Before I end it, I forgot to ask you one thing. And that is, is there anything you want to leave anyone with? Like final kind of words about it. I think this is think, important. Yeah, I think it's important to tune in and maybe reflect on this conversation or or do it on your own, whatever way, meditation, journaling, whatever works for you, but just to really reflect on, okay, what do I want to share? What what are some of the, not even what I want to share, but what are some of the things that are really true for me that I know for sure? Maybe that's the easiest way to define it. What do I know for sure? And just jot those things down. And it could be related to your business. It could be something completely different, right? It could be Mm -hmm. some of the topics that we mentioned that are more, worldwide and that affect everyone because those things will inform how you share your message as well so maybe to reflect on that and then if you 
if you are the kind of person who puts out a lot of content or does interviews, then make sure that you bring these things into that. Oh, I love that. See, that was worth it. Now I'm in the broadcast. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.